believe that the Bible is the Word of God and that all of it is useful for teaching us, for rebuking us, for correcting us, and for training us in how to live right, so that the servant of God may be fully equipped for every good work. So let's open the Bible and let's look at it together. Acts 6, 1 to 8. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebrew Jews because the widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait, to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They, cho they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, and a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles, who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now Stephen, a man full of, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. It's tempting to think of the early church as this perfect community where no one gets cross, where nothing goes wrong, and it's just like the summer holidays the whole time. But in this passage, we realize that's not the case. One of the huge strengths of the Word of God is it gives us narrative of the whole story. It doesn't just cherry-pick the best bits. No, it tells us the whole story. And in this passage, we get to see some conflict and some tension in the early church. We get to see some disagreement. And we get to learn how they handled that tension and actually grew out of the other side of it. So whether you're leading in church, whether you're leading in the workplace, hopefully there's something here that can help you, help me moving forward. So what's going on? Well, the church is growing. And growth often brings challenge. As a leader, sometimes people say to me when there's challenges in church life or they fall out with someone in the church, I thought the church was meant to be a family. And they're exactly right. The church is a family, a real family. I've had about half a dozen physical fights in my life. Over half of them with my older sister. She won all of them. The reality of family life is sometimes there's tension, sometimes there's challenge, and the bigger the family, the more challenge there can be. And the early church is a family that is growing, and as it's grown, they've got diversity. It's starting. It started as a small group of Hebraic Jews, 
Jews who are Hebrew by, who are Jewish by birth. But now, as revival has spread through Jerusalem, others have got saved. Praise God. Some Gentiles are even getting saved. But in this community, you've got a whole load of Jews who've got saved, some of them with Hebrew backgrounds, some of them with Greek backgrounds. That's what Hellenistic means. It means they had a Greek background. And in this growing community, some of the widows who are being cared for, who are Hellenistic, are thinking, hang on, the, the Hebrew widows seem to, seem to get a better deal here. And as often happens, that grumbling, that dissatisfaction has reached the ears of the leaders, the apostles. And at this point in the early church, the apostles are apostles, but they're also operating as a kind of local church eldership. So what do we learn? Well, firstly, we learn this. It is always better to lead as a team. Now, I know some pretty gifted leaders, but they all lead best when they're in a leadership team, when they work together. It says in our text, so the 12 gathered all the disciples together. Notice that, the 12. It wasn't just one or two of the twelve, one or two of the apostles that, that got together. No, all of them got together. This is a key moment. This is a key decision. So they all gathered. They decided to make a decision as a team and they decided to gather the church together as a team. This is not one person trying to have a good idea. This is a team of people bringing their wisdom together under the grace of God to try and make not a good decision, but the best decision. It's always better to lead as a team in church, in family, in the workplace. Second thing we learn, unity matters. It says, so the twelve gathered all the disciples together. Now that Greek word for all means all. It means everyone had opportunity. Now, the conflict seems to have only been with a group within the church. It was just the, the, the widows who had fallen out with one another because of what they were getting. The disciples could have just gathered them together. But no, they knew unity matters. It's important that everyone is involved. Because actually within the body of Christ, when one suffers, all suffer. When one is upset, all are upset. So they gathered them all together. By bringing the whole church together, they ensure that everybody knows the issue and everybody can be praying into and feeding into the solution. This is a healthy culture. This is a culture where leaders and members take joint responsibility. Leaders are responsible for leading and gathering, but people are responsible for following and being involved in that process. So what have we learned so far? It's always better to lead as a team. Unity matters. Third thing we learn from them, delegate well. This is what it says. Brothers and sisters, notice that everybody's involved. Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. Notice that there's diversity in their team as well as diversity in their church. 
They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. See, there is a huge difference between delegation and abdication. Many of us have had stuff dumped on us in our work context. Our boss is just too busy and so puts it on our desk. That's not delegation. That's abdication. Tragically, sometimes I know I've done that as a leader in church life. I've just given something to somebody rather than delegating. If you're that person, I'm sorry. What we see here is great delegation. Firstly, there's clear definition of the task at hand. This is what needs to happen. Secondly, there's clear description of the type of people required, both in character and in gifting. They want them full of the Holy Spirit and faith and wisdom. Wisdom is a gift. Being full of the Holy Spirit and faith is about character. And they want to delegate to people who have the gift to achieve the task, but also the character to achieve it well and bring people with them. And then what do they do? They commission and they encourage. Who doesn't like being prayed for? Who doesn't like those moments when hands are laid on you and you're prophesied over and encouraged? I can imagine this moment that people have played their part. They know what the task is. They know what characters they need. They know what gifting they need. They bring these men to the apostles. The apostles then lay hands on them, prophesy over them, encourage them, celebrate with them. What a great moment. They have delegated well. It's always better to lead in team. Unity matters. Delegate well. Fourthly, keep the main thing the main thing. What do they say? It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. We will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Then it says, so the Word of God spread. What's happening here? Well, it's not that the apostles think that caring for the poor and needy is irrelevant. Far from it. Care for the poor was key to Jesus' ministry. Care for the poor was a peculiar characteristic of the early church. Care for the poor is an example of a life truly brought under the leadership and the lordship of Christ. But it is the fruit of the gospel, not the gospel. See, when the apostles here talk about giving themselves to the ministry of the word and prayer, they're not talking about having extra time for their quiet times. They're not saying, you, you deal with the messy bit of church life. No, we just want to sit and study. That's not what they're saying. What they're talking about is the preaching of the gospel. They're talking about signs and wonders. They're talking about praying for the sick. They're talking about keeping the main thing the main thing. This is not an example of leadership arrogance. This is an example of leadership focus. Because they know that if leaders lose focus, the church loses focus. If leaders forget that the main thing is mission, the main thing is calling people to a decision about Christ, the main thing is extending the kingdom of God in power, if leaders lose that focus, the church will lose that focus. So care for the poor is incredibly important. 
but it flows from the preaching of the gospel. And therefore, the apostles must dedicate themselves to the preaching of the gospel, the ministry of the word. So what do we learn? We learn it's always better to lead as a team. We learn unity matters. We learn to delegate well. We learn to keep the main thing the main thing. And what do we see? It says, this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose these men, they presented these men, and they were prayed for and had hands laid on them. And then in verse 7, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Now, I think it's been increasing rapidly already, but here we're told it increased even more rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. They've led as team. They've kept unity. They've delegated well. They've kept the main thing the main thing. And this is the fruit. New leadership is released. Unity is preserved. A new group or culture is impacted by the gospel. Did you see that? A whole group of priests. I wonder if the priests were thinking, oh, they're doing okay, but how will they handle conflict? They handle conflict really well. And suddenly some of the priests think, oh, this is the real deal. The gospel remains the focus. And Stephen, one of those appointed, doesn't allow serving in an area of church life to rob him of what his calling is just as a believer, which is the mission of God. He continued to perform great wonders and signs among the people. We can learn so much from this passage. And later I'm going to be chatting to some of my friends, to Ruth and Tom and Rakia, about how we apply that here at Every Day. So it's great to be able to introduce to you some of my friends, Rakia and Tom and Ruth. They're all part of the leadership team at Everyday Southfields. And together, over the next six or seven minutes, we're going to start unpacking this passage a bit more together and how we apply it into our church every day. And then through this week in the devotions, you'll see us again as we continue this conversation, as we try and apply the word to our own lives and, and let it get in there and bear fruit for the kingdom of God. So Tom, you're an elder at every day. I'd, I'd love to know what it means for you, what you think it means for us, for elders to devote themselves to prayer and to the word of God. Um, yeah, cool. Thanks, Tom. It's a really good question. I think um, one of the things that I really love about being part of, of Everyday Church and being on the leadership team is that <clears throat> the word is already such a big part of of everything that we do and we want it to shape everything and i guess um part of being an elder is just making sure that that's still the case and that's always at the at the center um we have a really great team um, lots of people doing lots of different things with lots of different gifts um so we've got you know people on uh, on the team who'll be able to uh, do very deep Bible commentaries and, and tell us lots of really helpful insights. I think that's a really great way that we can, as elders, try and help people in every day to understand more of what the Bible says and go a bit deeper in that um, as well. It's making sure, I think, that the, the word is always uh, central to what we, some of our gatherings, so our life groups, 
and our um, uh, meetings that might be on, on a Sunday or a, a online venue through the week. Um, and I guess we just want to make sure that um, we're always just keeping the right kind of checks and balances in place and that as a church, we're always dedicated to having the, the word of God at the centre and allowing that to shape and change what we do rather than us going off in our own direction and kind of saying, oh, oh why, does, why does the Bible say something different? We're saying, does what we're doing here make sense in the context of the word of God? Excellent, excellent. I mean, how do you think we express this whole issue of, you know, we're told in the passage they gave themselves to prayer. How do we work that out, do you think, as a team? Again, I guess, yeah, it's fairly similar, just making sure that as a church, you know, we always have a, a fixed amount of time. Um, let's make sure that we spend a really good proportion of that time that, we, that we're able to come together praying. So things like making sure that our um, ask prayer meetings are a regular occurrence, that we're making it uh, easy for people to engage in, in those corporate prayer gatherings. Um, and as well, as elders, we're always praying for everybody who's a part of everyday church widely and maybe um, some specific stuff that we know needs some more um, prayer at that particular point. Um, and always looking to hear from God, to hear where's God maybe taking us next as a, as a venue, as a church, or what does God want to say to that particular situation that we know someone might be um, uh, working through at that particular time. So, um, yeah, as elders, we take prayer really seriously and want to make sure that it's, again, uh, really central to everything that we do. Brilliant. Thanks for that. And, I mean, one of the things that we learned from this passage is that you can't have a few people trying to do everything. So Rakia and Ruth, in your experience, how, how do we try and mobilise others? How do we try and release others at every day? I think um, one of the things we do is we see and we hear and we spot where uh, leaders can grow from. Um, so obviously I work in everyday kids as one area and, you know, you can see it in very small little people. Um, you can see worship leaders, you can see people who love to pray and it's about spending time and getting alongside and growing our church from, from the ground up really. Um, mm -hmm. And sharing, seeing that as a responsibility for us, not for one or two, but for us as a church. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And Rakia is really good at that. Um, and I think as well <laughs> that for us as leaders, it's about bringing people along with us and not just showing people or telling people what we've been up to, but just bringing them alongside us and saying, let's go on an adventure together. Yeah. So some of my favourite things that I've seen in everyday church um, in the last few years have been life groups, like all going together to do something awesome, like um that tom's worship life group um as it was then going into the local coffee shop and singing songs over the people and singing about god in public and like yes that's so great it's not just hearing about our worship pastor doing something mm. and trying to inspire everyone it's like everyone getting together and doing it um in our life group we had many months of reading the bible together praying for one another practicing spiritual gifts but in the home and after a while, I was like, let's mobilise. I didn't say that, but that's what I was getting at. Um, and I was like, let's, let's get out of here. Um, everyone come along. And it was just a few of us, but more and more people came along. 
more and more people got excited when they saw that we we're on the streets praying for people to be healed um finding the local mosque um like god took us to some crazy places that we were not expecting and people got excited so they wanted to come along and i think as leaders it's really really important to get people excited and bring them along for the adventure not just tell them about it yeah that that's that's so so helpful i think as uh we've said already this morning it's so important to keep the main thing the main thing so the, the pinnacle of christianity is not sitting in a leaders meeting or even writing a sermon or preaching a sermon or being on a platform that that the key to christian leadership is releasing people to live a christian life full of the kingdom of god and to keep jesus and his kingdom right at the heart of everything we're doing Guys, you've been so helpful, and I'm looking forward to our devotions this week, unpacking some more of this stuff. I'm just going to pray for us and for, for the church right now. So let's pray. Father God, I'm so grateful that you didn't call one person to do everything, but you've called us to be a community, equipped by leaders, but also released by leaders to, to do the stuff, to see the kingdom of God grow in our communities, in our neighbourhoods, in our nation, and in the nations. Lord, we pray that this passage we've looked at this morning will enable and equip and empower us to step out in faith and to play our part in your plan for this church and for this nation. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Amen.